Then he began to teach them that the child of humanity must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the child of humanity will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his creator with holy angels. Here ends our reading. Published the year of his death, the poet Sargon Bullis wrote a butterfly's dream, included as a thought for reflection in this morning's bulletin. A butterfly flying on an invisible string almost touches my chin when I drink a nervous first coffee to dispel nasty dreams of last night in the sun. I see it dance over the fence, dreamlike, a prayer. Only yesterday, a silkworm confined to a narrow cocoon. Sargon once described his work as a poet as mining the hidden areas of what has been lived through, mining the hidden areas of what has been lived through. Born into an Assyrian family in Iraq in the 40s, he moved to Germany in the late 60s as an undocumented immigrant. Facing arrest, he was granted entry to the US and spent the last 40 years of his life in San Francisco. Sargon knew what it was to live as a displaced person, something he had in common with our ancient ancestors. But more than that, he knew what it was to be human, including the experience of waking from a bad dream. Standing on the precipice of what shakes us, when everything in us wants to run for the hills, wants the fright to leave, we often do reach for a moment of comfort and welcome an interruption by a life freed of the fear, whether it be a butterfly or otherwise. Abram and Sarai 
Jesus and his disciples are all facing the precipice of death and they respond differently. While Jesus speaks of his death quite openly, quite frankly, Peter rebukes him. Would he rather not entertain that possibility of death? Maybe then it won't happen. The grasping in Peter's very human response is palpable, like a nervous cup of coffee. Our instincts for survival can sometimes go awry as we try to escape our fears. In trying to save our lives, as our text reads, we can experience a different death. We are trained to fit in, to align ourselves with societal norms out of a very real need to feel safe, to feel like we belong, that we have value, and there is something in us that resists this gravitational pull, that knows the risk of living a hollow existence that has been exhausted by treading water before. With gentleness for our need to cope, embracing our sensitive, striving, well-intentioned selves, we can begin to face the precipice that first sent us shaking. It seems the ancients are always trying to wake up from another bad dream, and their version of reaching for a cup of coffee, or sitting in the sun, or finding a way to cope, is telling a story. The narrative about Abraham and Sarah's renaming was likely birthed by the ancient Israelites while in Babylonian exile. They had lost their nation. There was every reason to believe their collective story was reaching its conclusion. But the story continued. In Abraham's 99th year and in Sarah's 90th, God Almighty, the God of the mountains, blessed them, promising that they would become exceedingly fruitful. They would become the ancestors of generations of a multitude of nations. Leaders of people would come from them, and God's covenant with them would continue with all their offspring who would come after them forever. Somehow the exiled Israelites were bold enough to dream a new dream. Their storytellers were proclaiming in our 99th year that we have faced the precipice of death. We will turn the page and find a new ending. For God will remain in covenant with us and with our children just as God was with Sarah and Abraham. And in telling the story, they became the leaders of the people. For they kept hope alive 
They gave the people a vision. They embodied life freed of fear. Standing on the precipice of what shakes us at some point, we encounter a rite of passage and find freedom. Freedom to risk prestige of job or school, to risk comfort of not ruffling any feathers, to risk being wrong. We discover it is possible to let someone have their feelings. It's possible. We can take the plunge of relationship with the real possibility of heartbreak. Greeted by a strength rising within, we break the chains, free to stand up for our lives, for the lives of our fellow humanity. And finally, trusting in that freedom, we are safe enough to let the narratives we've been replaying pause and listen to each other. And when the proverbial emperor has us shaking again, the ancients give us a story of an interruptive Jesus, reminding us of a greater authority pulling for our freedom. For there is an ancient Jewish theology that holds that obedience to the will of God is the freedom of the righteous in the face of the fate that awaits them. Obedience to the will of God is the freedom of the righteous in the face of the fate that awaits them. The will of God is that we be free. For Jesus, even the threat of death could not keep him enslaved. He would rise again and dance dreamlike a prayer as a butterfly only days before confined to a narrow cocoon. Embracing our sensitive, striving, well-intentioned selves, we can begin to face the precipice that first sent us shaking and find freedom. Amen.